0: And welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. And we're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. And recently, we've done a few podcast episodes in relation to replacing salary. And Simon and I were discussing service to accommodation. But before we get into that, Simon, shall we just reflect on what we've done so far? Yeah, I think that'd be great to do.
1: Perhaps I'll start a little bit at what we're aiming for. So we're aiming to replace salary, I chosen salary is the is roughly the average one for the UK at the moment, which is thirty thousand pounds a year, or two and a half thousand pounds a month. And we have looked so far at doing this with a rent to rent property strategy. That was back in episode eighty, and we concluded you'd need five properties and fifteen to twenty five thousand pounds of investment in order to get that up and running, and obviously quite a chunk of time. And then next up was episode 82, where we were looking at uh, replacing your salary with an HMO investment portfolio. So this is where you've purchased properties, probably with your own money, possibly with somebody else's money. We look at both sort of scenarios in that. And there again, we concluded you need five properties, but now you need to put in about £375,000 of of investment money. Then the most recent one we looked at was episode 86, and we were looking at building a vanilla buy-to-let portfolio. So, this is the, the slightly more passive approach if you're, you're not looking to be quite so hands on. But again, it's a purchasing strategy. And here, the, the numbers worked out that you'd need six properties to actually replace that, that salary, and you need £474,000 of uh, of investment. So, this time around, we are going to look at serviced accommodation. And you can do service accommodation as a rent to rent strategy, so a rent to service accommodation. Previously, in episode eighty, we looked at rent to HMO as the the sort of strategy there. But the type of service accommodation we're going to look at today is a purchasing strategy. So, where you where you purchase and then rent those properties out as a service accommodation. And quite fortuitously, Stuart has been doing this. We talked a few weeks back about your experimentation or, or getting started in Airbnb, Stuart, and you've been doing a lot more since then. So perhaps before we dig into some of the figures and how we think that works out for replacing salary you could, you could give everyone a bit of an update how, how is your serviced accommodation flat actually going
0: well i'm pleased to say simon that this strategy has been going really well i feel like a lot of my things we end up on a down note where you kind of have to slap me around the face and say come on pull yourself together it's going to be all right or at least off air anyway or at least off recording
1: <laughs> yeah, on, on recording, I try to knock it down as much as possible. It's terrible, terrible. Oh, dear. Why did you get into this? <laughs> anyway, carry on.
0: <laughs> but the service accommodation has been going really well. And I think that's largely in part to the property. It's in a great location. As I've said many times before, it's a property we're actually selling. And people will listen and go, well, well why sell it? Well, because it's going to unlock quite a few grand that's going to pay for a house we've just bought. So it's it's being sold. But it's a two-minute walk from the Thames river in kingston it's a two-minute walk from the main line station it's a little studio flat it's got its own private entrance so it's not um you don't have to go into a hall or anything you open your front door and you're in your own place and it has the feeling of a one-bed flat because it's got a raised area for the bedroom stroke lounge if you can call it that and then a kitchen dining area so it's got a really nice i would say apartment feel and that's kind of how we've marketed it on airbnb and it's gone it's gone really much better than we would have hoped actually, in, in insofar as that um, we've had multiple bookings quite quickly. And then, as we were just talking about before we hit the record button, two guests wanting to take it for pretty much the maximum period of time, i.e. 30 days. It's now gotten to the stage where I, I'm now concerned about when we're going to complete on the property because it keeps renting. And I'm now thinking, well, I have to complete at some stage. But because things haven't progressed... I'm just enjoying it as a nice problem to have and we'll cross those bridges when they happen. And uh, yeah, the fact that my wife's available to support it as well has been really helpful. When we last spoke about this flat and and your
1: service accommodationing of it, you said you were only doing weekends just to make life a bit easier and more manageable for for yourself. So how have you gone from just weekends to that longer term? And indeed, if only weekends were listed on Airbnb, how
0: did anybody even think of asking for a longer term? Because you have that option. You have the option to look at it for a long, long period of time. So as a, as a guest, you can look at a month and you'll get a discount applied to that. And there are discount applied. I, I can't remember specifically now, but I think if, if you book for, let's say, seven nights, you'll, you'll get a, a smaller discount. And again, you're, as the owner of the property, you, you can set all of these things with your own parameters, whatever discounts you want. What we did was, what I did was, I removed Wednesdays purely because of all the other things we we're doing. I didn't want guests either checking out or checking in on a Wednesday because I knew that either myself or my wife would be really busy at that time of the week with the kids and so on and so forth. So we just took that out. So it wasn't that we, so it just meant that people could book up until the Tuesday or they could book from the Thursday. And that might sound strange. It just, I just knew that that meant operationally. It would make things easier for us because if someone, if we had to do something on a Wednesday, I knew it would cause problems. Since then, we've now removed that. But someone had already booked or inquired about booking it for thirty nights. As I said to you, my first, my first thought, having had experience with these properties before, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, was hmm, I'm not sure if these are always of. Uh, pure intent and you know they they might be thinking about other things they can do in the property so I did make a point of replying say look yeah this is fine but just know that we will probably pop to the property at least once a week to ensure everything's okay and of course we'll give you a requisite amount of notice but the response was really nice and said that's fine we'll treat this as our own which left me feeling a little bit more confident that they are going to look after the property and hopefully are just using it for purely good reasons. Indeed, let's hope they are. I know from other
1: people doing service accommodation that they they provide new linen, new bedding, towels, etc. And, and quite possibly actually arrange to go into a, a a property once a week or even just every few days to do cleaning and things while a, while a single tenant is there. Um, sort of a bit like a hotel, obviously not quite as frequent as a hotel, but sort of that kind of direction. From the sounds of it, you're not planning to, to go in to actually do those sorts of functions quite as as frequently. How are you expecting your your tenants to deal with bedding
0: and the like? Well, so we had this conversation, my wife and I, and we still haven't fully fleshed it out. It may be that when we go in there, because we will visit and I will certainly visit it in the first week just to ensure that all is well, uh, and maybe speak with the, the guests about it. but. Our view was, having discussed it, was, well, you know, there is a washing machine there. There's a good area, you know, there's a communal garden that they can use. So, you know, we'll put spare linen in there. So if, if they are people that do want to do that thing frequently, then then they can. Because obviously we have two sets of everything anyway, because we have to do that. We, we always obviously ensure that we, we change everything and clean it. So the answer is not fully decided. Talking about it aloud with you, I think it makes sense that we do do something even on a weekly basis. And, and given that they are taking the property for 30 days, I, I would be happy to employ cleaners. Uh, my wife currently does it because it fits in around uh, school times and so on. And she does have an a, obsessive compulsive disorder around cleaning. So that, that makes her an ideal candidate. And because it was her house, she tre- still treats it as, or her home, I should say, she still treats it as such and wants it to look as good as it can look or, you know, so, uh, so she does, I'm pretty sure, as good a job as any professional cleaner would. That's very handy, but it's got to
1: be taking quite a chunk of time from your wife. And now we're into summer holidays as well. Then I assume that's going to get, get a bit harder uh, to, to work around children and things.
0: Well, and that's the good news of having people in long term and that the people that have moved in long term have done so from the end of July for a month. So my wife, my wife was going in and you're right, it does take time because from our place, it's a 40 minute drive. But it only takes maximum an hour to clean. So so really it takes three hours out of a day. So if, if we're going to be going to treat this like any professional job, I'd say it's a half a day exercise, as you've pointed out. The good news for anyone thinking about this is that you can add that cleaning fee to your property price valuation. In fact, most people do. We added what we felt was reasonable. It's at £35. Some are a lot more, some are a lot less. But this is, a, like I say, a studio flat. Still got a bathroom and kitchen that needs cleaning. So we could have got more perhaps. But if we were to do this long term, i.e. more than a couple of months, I would definitely bring in professional cleaners to do the job. And I would actually start looking at them to do other elements in the property as well. So we always put a pint of milk, a packet of biscuits. I quite like buying these little fairy cakes, leave them on because I just think it makes people feel positive. And the funny thing is, uh, of the guests that we've had, I would say three quarters of them haven't touched them. So whether they're just very healthy people or they just don't like the look of the cakes we buy, they have left them.
1: Maybe they're just not quite sure if they're supposed to touch them. Maybe you should leave a a note with them. Welcome to your your accommodation for the week, whatever. Please, please enjoy these.
0: (laughs) Well, I make a point of putting them on the dining room table because it's a kitchen. uh, I mean, if you want to see the photos, go to Airbnb, look at Kingston, find a studio flat that's called an apartment and and you'll probably find it. But I always put the, the, you know, the cake or the biscuits there, then with the Wi-Fi code on top, so that they know that these are the things that they need to know when they first come in. So the assumption's there, but you're right, maybe people don't assume that they can eat them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. <laughs> and I was thinking that, but they are in packets, so they've never, they're never touched, they're never opened. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you, you, you would think, if you're, you're moving into
1: a place that you're, you're renting for a few nights, whatever, it's going to be a bit like a hotel isn't it so you i mean a hotel often has a a packet of biscuits for you to enjoy or normally a biscuit actually inside the packet but but yeah some some things i mean similar approach
0: but that's it and that's why i always buy fresh and that they're in packets so that yeah you can see that nothing's been tampered with and that we've avoided the word but the, the covid secure approach that we have to take was was the reason we did that and when people have left them we've obviously just yeah, you know, sadly, just take them and, and throw them at. But I guess that uh, some people just don't want to touch other things that have been touched by others. But Yeah, quite. On the cleaning charge, how frequently is that, that charged by Airbnb?
1: So is it a, for, for the shorter ones, presumably it's per stay. Per visit, yeah. Which is, is fine if they're staying for the weekend or something. But then for these longer term ones sort of where they're staying for weeks, is that is it still just per visit or or does it
0: repeat more often than that
1: to allow for sort of weekly cleaning and things?
0: Well, I'm I'm pretty sure that it's just that one fee, and I can say confidently to the to the listeners that we did actually do some prep for this episode. We've done some research, but that I did not look at.
1: <laughs> I'm just bringing new questions on you, aren't I? Sorry, we, we didn't plan that one. It's not in the script.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll press the big red button. I, I believe it will just be that one fee but I would have to check as a potential guest and and have a look myself. But I think it would just be the one cleaning fee, which I I think unless you've changed the setting, would make sense from a guest perspective because I wouldn't expect as a guest to pay multiple fees because I want to stay longer. And actually, I'd probably expect to pay less if I'm staying for a longer period of time. Exactly. but You're saving the the landlord voids and and things like that. So
1: yeah, the landlord is making the money in, in other ways. So speaking of making money, we should start talking about some numbers. We probably should we're looking at buying these properties that we're going to rent out of service accommodation. So we're going to use your property as an example, which happens to fit roughly around the sort of average UK property price. It may not be sort of the shape and size of an average UK property, but hopefully the, the, the numbers will still kind of work out. Your property is up for, for sale for 250,000. Have I got that number right? Yeah, okay. 250, yeah. Okay, so so that is a purchase price that we're we're working on. Now, when you buy property to turn into service accommodation, at the very least, you're going to have to buy some furniture and cutlery and towels and bedding and things to get it set up. But we, I think in Africa, we're assuming not much in the way of refurbishment or anything like that. So the core property we're going to assume is pretty much ready to go, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Stuart. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the holder of these numbers. <laughs> Hopefully, I've got the right. But we are doing some we have got to obviously buy some stuff to go in that property. So what, what do you think's a good number to put around that for that sort of setup
0: cost? Well, just thinking about what you'd need, you'd assume you're going to need beds, obviously. Beds, living area. In a serviced accommodation, it clearly makes sense to have a sofa that also converts into a bed because then you can offer it to more people and therefore be more appealing to people that might be thinking for, for longer weekends. And then obviously you've got all of the other homeware that you're going to need in there. Based on my experience, and if I'm just thinking about applying this to the average, because obviously mine's a studio flat, so I actually only needed a double bed, a futon, and little table and chairs. And we put some stools in there just to make it look nice. And we bought. And my wife, being a bit more creative than I am, you know, just decorated it with some really nice things that make it look quite appealing. But I, I would suggest a good number would probably be in the three to five k, and, and clearly. As we've caveated on all of these, we are just talking about averages and numbers. These things have to be worked through, but we need to put a stake in the ground just so that we can provide something that, that makes sense. So for the sake of numbers, we're going to assume 5K. Yeah, and if, if you're going a little bit cheaper on the furniture, then that might pay for a lick of paint as
1: well and things like that. So I, I think that's, that's a good, good number to go with. Yeah. Okay, excellent. So we're, we're buying a £250,000 property. That means we've got some stamp duty to pay. Um, assuming we're investors. So we've got the, the 3% surcharge currently, and that would be 7,500 of stamp duty. Uh, we've got our 5,000 pounds of upfront purchasing of things to go in the property. And we've got some fees, which we're going to assume about 3,000 pounds for legal and mortgage setup. So that gives us a total investment that we need to put in of 78,000 pounds and a mortgage borrowing of one hundred eighty seven. Thousand five hundred ish, and that's seventy five percent loan to value. We're not so worried about the the rental cover requirements because it's a a different type of uh, arrangement. Obviously, because it's uh, there there is no standard rent every month, so we're just going to assume that that's covered. Uh, So there we go. Seventy five percent loan to value mortgage, one hundred eighty seven and a half thousand pounds of mortgage, seventy eight thousand pounds of cash gone in. So let's look at look at monthly stuff. So first of all, I can say straight up, we're looking at uh, £500 of mortgage. I think that's what we, we decided, wasn't it? So £500 mortgage fee. Uh, so what
0: else have we got on the outgoings, Stuart? Do you, do you think? So we're going to have utilities, which we've put in £50, and we, based on some two-bed properties that I own, that's in a that's in the ballpark that, that we're going to have. We've got council tax, which we've included at £100, insurance at forty. We've also put a little fee in there for laundry of twenty pounds, and. It's probably people listening going, "But what about the cleaning?" Actually, cleaning materials we should probably think about, but the reason we haven't put cleaning is because, as we've already spoken about, so we're not going to cover this anymore, but you can add that to the fee on the on the portal. We're talking about Airbnb. obviously you can use booking dot com, and then there are channel managers that will also put your property out to all of the other ones that I can't remember the names of, but that are pushing out service accommodation on their websites. But the costs that we've got, those things that we've just mentioned, came to about 710, £710 of costs, monthly costs. Have you included in that an allowance for
1: repairs and that sort of thing?
0: No, there isn't a maintenance cost in there. So we should perhaps, because actually we came back to the property the other day and the clock's, someone's taken the clock. I mean, I don't know how that's going to look on their wrist because it's bloody massive.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, that seems like a strange thing to take out. I, I want... But was it hanging on the wall, presumably?
0: Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they knocked it down or something and it broke and they have to dispose of it. <laughs> we, we think it's been disposed of because we, we looked all over for it. Because I, I thought, oh, maybe they just knocked it off and just put it somewhere. But that, yeah, they obviously decided to, uh, to put it in the bin. But Anyway, so we'll put the maintenance in there of 50 a month, if you think that's acceptable. I think that sound, sounds
1: reasonable. But something we would normally consider in this sort of planning part, for so HMOs or buy-to-let, would be voids. But in service accommodation, we kind of look at that differently. How do you look at thinking about voids and, and that element of, of property rental for, for service accommodation?
0: Yeah, well, well, it's similar to HMOs, I guess, in the sense that your first thought is occupancy. And we, we talked about some of this with Stephanie in relation to HMOs and that it's always about the rooms being full. You know, it has to be that rooms are full. And of course, in the service industry, in this sector, that is what it's all about. How many of those rooms can we fill? So to work out the figures on this, I started out at a coincidentally 60%. I didn't work with 60%. I started on the fact of you know 220 days of the year because that is the number of working days. And I guess for anyone thinking about service accommodation, the key point around service accommodation is, we all talk about property, but it's location. Who is that property going to appeal to? Which market are you going to serve? Because if you've got a property that's on the coast and you know it's, it's near the beach, then of course, putting this really simply, obviously, but we will be thinking about people that are thinking about holidays. You, you might have a central location where people will be thinking about it for breaks. Equally, it might be a property that's near large businesses, in which case it's going to be probably more of a professional market. You know, does your property cater for kids? Does it, etc., cetera, et cetera. So the property that. I've got actually it's a bit of a mix of those things because I can see it serving a number of different markets because of where it's located. But what we need to think about is what would be feasible and what, what would make the business work or not. So I've started on sixty percent because I believe that that is a very low occupancy number. And if we think about uh, so that is two hundred and twenty days of the year. So so obviously that's almost two thirds of the year uh, that we're thinking about. So I've started with that as an occupancy rate. Yeah, and I think that's a good place to start because you've achieved
1: that in, in your property pretty much without trying. So, uh, so I think that's a, a good sort of low point to start at and hopefully should be achievable for, for most service accommodation approaches. Based on that, how do things work out?
0: What I've done is based the average on the, on the night, a nightly price of £70, again, for this property. So if we times 220 by £70 we get 15,400. And if we divide that by 12, we get an average monthly rate of 1,283, which Simon and I might call 1,300 just because it's easier for our little brains to run through the numbers when we get there. The other point I just wanted to make on this before we just move into how this compares to, to buy to let and what we think about is that I've just used an average price of 70 because that's what my property is currently renting at. But as others will no doubt know, is you you can have dynamic pricing. And we haven't talked about seasonality yet, but that comes into the market you're serving and where your property is located. But dynamic pricing would invariably push the pricing up, as in that it'll be a higher monthly uh, figure during key seasons. So for example, where my property is, when Wimbledon comes around, I might like to think about putting the, the price up, but there are tools that can do that for us. So there are tools that can scan the web, look at what people are booking and say, actually, your property shouldn't be £70 now, it should be £100 and do that for us automatically. So just wanted to be clear on that because we're using averages again, but that, it's not to say it's always going to be 70 It might be that in the cold, dark winter months, it goes down to 50 but during the summer months, we push it up to 100 But over the course of a year, this is where we might... Uh, Call it our blended average, if you like. Yeah, yep, yeah, definitely.
1: Similarly, there's going to be quite varied per night rates for different types of properties in different places, as well as uh, across different seasons. So, so yeah, there's, this is our example figure. We think it's a, a reasonable sort of average-ish figure to be using. But, but yes, it's, it's clearly not going to be the answer for every, every property in every scenario.
0: Right, I think we've caveated ourselves up to the hill. We've covered ourselves there. We are good. Quite literally, the bottom line. So we've said that we're going to rent this for thirteen hundred, and if we take off our seven hundred and sixty, obviously simple maths tells us that that's going to leave us with—I'll say simple maths. I'll probably get it wrong. Five hundred and forty pounds net per month. That's what my calculator says as well. Good. And as you said at the beginning, we've always targeted thirty thousand as the average, which the monthly figure is two and a half grand. So if we take two and a half grand and we divide it by our five hundred and forty. It tells us that we're going to need, because we have to round up, because we can't own parts of a house, that we'd need five of those properties. Indeed. So if we uh, go back to our original
1: investment cost of 78,000, we are looking at £390,000 of of purchasing costs to go into those properties in order to to create our salary. Now, that's based on a 60% occupancy rate. So that's somebody paying for overnight accommodation for 60% of the nights at any any time. What would happen to those figures if we were a bit more optimistic about that or if we had some longer-term bookings where obviously there's there's 100% of the time, bit of the time? We've also considered some alternative occupancy rates. So what what are those other rates that we've considered, Stuart? And, or I say we, I'm pushing this back to you because you're the one with the numbers. (laughs) But
0: uh, what, what are the rates and how does that affect our numbers? I can hear people saying 60%, you're not doing your job if you've only got 60%. Really, I, I think we'd be working on 70%. If, if, when I'm modeling this out, I would definitely work on a 70% because that, that's where the effort is. Of course, we want 90% plus. Ideally, we'd have 99%, but, or 100%. But if we, even if we go up to 70%, which gives us a rounding up of 256 days a year, that takes the annual figure up to 18,000. And, the monthly figure is then uh, gross revenue fifteen hundred, uh, and we then take off our seven sixty, gives us seven forty, and then if we look at the salary we want at two and a half, divided by seven forty, and I think simple math tells us it's just over three, so probably four. But so then we start thinking, well, actually, maybe if we just nudge that up slightly to say we could get three, because okay, if we push it up to seventy five percent, we know we, that would be three. Then your cost in has gone from 390,000 to 234,000, which is a lot less. If I just give us the quick gross on that, that would be a gross yield of 7.7% as just a quick indicator. Yep, which isn't too bad at all.
1: And as you say, you've only got three properties to manage. So you've got your ongoing maintenance and and management and cleaning and Processes involved in that reduced as well, so you've got a slightly easier life for your your thirty thousand pound a year salary. You've only got two hundred thirty four thousand pounds you've had to put into the the process in the first place. You've probably been able to get up and running faster as well because you've only got the three properties rather than five. Uh, so I think this is, is pretty good. And I think that's while sixty percent should be achievable fairly easily if you choose your property well and your your location and things. I think aiming for 70% or just over 70% should be perfectly doable. So, yeah, I, I think that's quite a reasonable place to land for our uh, replacing your salary with serviced accommodation property. What, what do you think, Stuart? Have we missed anything?
0: Uh, the only thing I, I was going to add to finalise this as we draw towards the end of our episode is that for me, my personal experience is I've really enjoyed it because there's something about the customer contact which I like. Of course, as landlords, there's a lot about the customer contact we don't like because it's very rare that a tenant just sends you a text saying, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord. Just thought I'd let you know, loving your property today. So happy. Anyway, goodbye. No, it doesn't happen. It's usually there's a leak. There's something that needs sticking. I can smell drains. Can you change my light bulb? I need a new bed. Yeah, ad nauseum. But there is something about doing this where because it is the, in the service industry where I've personally felt it to be more like a business than, than I do when I'm just renting properties. And that's probably because I'm not as at the coalface as I, as I could be with some of the properties. So I've enjoyed that. But of course, I, I just think the point is, is that as investors, would we enjoy that? Because I might enjoy it, the next person might not enjoy it. And the fact that you will have a higher turnover of people as Simon said, is, is, and that's quite a key thing. Whereas if you're used to, you know, like in one of your properties, someone renting it out for seven or eight years, you haven't really, other than obviously the the, the annual maintenance and, and certifications, you're not thinking about it that much. Whereas, you know, there are occasions where we've had three different people stay in the space of seven days. Someone's checked out in the morning, someone's checked in in the afternoon. And whilst we've managed it, if that was ongoing, then it's becoming more of a job. But that is the strategy. That's that's the approach. Yeah, definitely. And, and you are making a business and
1: potentially a job, but you could make a business and let someone else do the job bits. So the the cleaning, the changeovers. You mentioned you, you would consider uh, hiring cleaners to do that and, and take on most of that changeover responsibility. So it, it doesn't have to be so much of a, a job, I don't think. It, it could be business that you're building it, it clearly is work to manage that process and manage the the overall stay and experience of your guests
0: but uh, yeah it, it can definitely be not too much of a job if you if you manage it appropriately that is the bit i would love to get my teeth into this the systems i mean i'm not a process man per se but I like the thought of applying business principles to this, whereas I struggle with that for some of the the, rental, the standard rental side for this side of the business. I think, oh, so how could we create the systems and processes to scale this better? And that, that's the bit that excites me about it and should lessen the amount of inputs required. Because like you say, what I would do is uh, with the right team, you know, all you need to say to a cleaner is when you change over – I actually, can you do this quick inventory check? I've got a list of these things. These should all be in the property. Can you make sure you put in a pint of milk and packet of chocolate digestives, or whatever it is? We've, we've selected So you can take a lot off your plate as well. So it's uh, it's all there, and quite interesting that you know that we have planned it out and get down to two hundred thirty-four k. I think next step for us and for thinking about the listeners is how do we get involved without those significant sums of money? Yes, indeed. The the rent or rent to service accommodation. Approach, or,
1: or whether you could use other people's money to do that, and in actual fact, I think I think we should think about other approaches to using other people's money as well. We've previously talked on on these episodes about angel investing style borrowing, so if you're just paying an investor a, a percentage interest rate. But there there are other options as well for for joint ventures. So lot lots of things to talk about on future episodes, but. I think we are done for this week. Are we not, Stuart?
0: We are out of time. If you've enjoyed the episode, please do leave us a rating. It's, it's probably the least you can do. Uh, we know we've put you through a lot listening to this episode, but just scroll down, leave us a review. And for all information about anything we've spoken about, head over to the show notes at thebusinessofproperty.com and we'll see you next week.